0: Hey, as pastor, I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that he's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time he promises to work through this Word. If he has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. gathered, life and pain are synonymous. You cannot have one without the other. They are a matter of fact in this fallen world and we cannot escape it. You know, these are not my words, uh, but these are the words that I was reading in preparation for our sermon for today. They are the words of uh, Charles Swindoll. And it was interesting that after I read those words, I got a text of something that happened in Beecher this past week. And this past week, we heard that life and pain are synonymous, especially for the family of Lindsay Schmidt. Uh, Lindsay Schmidt was on her way to VBS at Trinity and Crete, our sister congregation, and uh, was hit in a car accident, and unfortunately, all were called home to heaven. Now, if you're a Christian, that's why we're here, isn't it? If you're a Christian, you know Lindsay and her boys are having the best days that they have ever had because they see Jesus face to face. They are in the place where everything is complete. They're, they have won the prize, and sooner than we. But for Eddie, for the rest of the family, for us who may have known them, life and pain are synonymous. Now, I don't know your... Um, proximity to this couple. I don't know your relationship with Lindsay or the Schmidt family, um, but I do know that regardless, we have our own stories. In fact, you have your own pain, don't you? You might have come with that in today, and you might be saying, God, what's the answer to this? In fact, something that I know being a pastor and something as I become an adult and talk to other people is that sitting in your row is maybe a different story But sitting in your row is a story that if you heard it would break your heart and probably move you to tears. Because yes, life and pain are synonymous. But friends, why are we here? Why did you say it was a good day to go to the house of the Lord? Why are we here? Are we here because we are so strong? And we are so immovable and we are so unflinched in the face of every pain. That's not me. That's not my story. I don't know yours. No, I am here because I know God exists. And this God, he has said to me and he has said to you these precious words. He has said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. See, I am here because I know we live in a broken place, but I am looking forward to the perfect one. I am here because I have picked up a lot of pain and hurts along the way, and I know the healer. I am here because that one says to me, With me, you can make it, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am here because there is one victorious over the devil, victorious over death, victorious over the circumstances of my sin wrecked life right now. What about you? So we're going to get some work done as we meet with God. We're going to be real with the fact that there is evil, that there is brokenness, but we're also going to be doubly real with God. We're in our series on Esther. I hope you've been enjoying it. If you haven't caught up yet, uh, go online. We'll look at uh, weeks one and two. And, and Last week, if you were with us, we saw the favor of God on Esther, and we learned that favor is not a formula. In fact, if it was a formula, you'd take grace out of favor. She was just favored by God, so are we to be in this place. To know the Savior. But today, as we look at all the evil, we're going to answer this question. We're going to answer, what do we do when we seem, when it seems like evil is winning? What do we do when it seems like the tragedies are more than the victories? What does it seem like the attacks are more than we can handle? What do we do in that case? And to that, I hope God will speak to you today. All right, so let's dig into the word. We're, we're in Esther chapter 2 and chapter 3, and you can follow along in your worship folder. You can follow along on the screen, but uh, we're going to dig in, and I might you know, break things up and explain just to, to keep you in it, but uh, these are the words that we get to consider um, today. Let's dig in. It says, When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. But Esther had kept secret her background and her nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do, For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, well, they became angry and they conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Pause there. One of the reasons people think that they were angry is because they were eunuchs. And I'm not going to explain how you become a eunuch, um, but it's not good, especially if you're a man. Anyway, um, so this is maybe an example of how hurt people hurt people. Uh, because they were not happy, they wanted to take their revenge out on King Xerxes, and so they planned something. They became angry, all right. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. Uh, it was a nasty nation, they were known for doing this to many people. Not a good thing. Anyway, um, all this was recorded in the Book of the Annals in the presence of the king. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agatite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than all of the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? And day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated. For, this is, for, he had, for he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Man, he is evil. In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the pure, that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day in a month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from all the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. Now give them 10,000 talents of silver. Some estimate this is 375 tons of silver. 375 tons of silver to the king's ambassadors uh, for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring, he can be bribed, from his finger. He gave it to Haman, son of Hamedetha the Agatite, the enemy of the Jews. Friends, there is a lot of evil going on. Haman is not a good dude. Who thinks not just of getting back at one person, but their whole people. He's like the worst mobster. He's like Hitler. And yet, there is enough we can learn about how we war against evil and what we can do in the face of it. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them, "We win, we win, we win." I want to know. Have you ever played a game with someone who was just bad at losing? And this person may have been so bad at losing that you wanted to stop playing the game. In in fact, maybe you you thought of losing yourself because you could handle losing a little bit better. You ever been there? I remember there was this one summer, and this person name, nameless, but uh, we were playing tennis and a board game, and the dude could not handle losing so much that he was just losing it. He was losing it. Now... I have done in the past, um, I, I, I've lost because, again, I'm, I'm used to losing, uh, I can handle it just fine, I've failed a lot in my life, friends, so I did think, well, maybe this is the opportunity where I should lose once again, obviously, he's not doing you know, a good thing, you know, he's not handling it well, but not today, <laughs> today I kept on winning, I didn't relent, and, and, and needless to say, it didn't go well, we, we looked for a way to end it well, and, and this was just someone who, who couldn't deal you know what I love about our story today? There is a man for whom it's not going well. You could say it is losing for him, and yet he is dealing pretty well. His name is Mordecai. Now this is what happens. Mordecai is a hero. He won. He uncovered an assassination plot. He he told Esther he did what he could, and Esther gave credit to Mordecai. That's what it says. But then in response to all of this, look what happens. In chapter 3, it starts off by saying, after these events, what Mordecai just did, he should be famous for uncovering this assassination plot. It goes on to say King Xerxes honored Haman, some of Hamedatha, the Agatite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. A.K.A. Mordecai was overlooked. A.K.A. he did not get the recognition for something great that he had done. Now if this was you or me, or if you can't handle losing well, It might have been the start of of pouting for some people. Don't you know? This is unfair. If God was just, I would tell you God about justice, right? Someone needs to see what I have done. I did something amazing, but where's the reward? But this wasn't his attitude. In fact, we know he is still tight, he is still good with God. We know this because when Haman was coming by, he did not bow his knee. And we believe Bible commentators say the reason he did that was not because he was jealous that Haman got honored. He did that because he still reserved respect. He was still tight with God, and that was a form of worship. He would only give worship to the Lord in spite of everything that was overlooked for him, in spite of a position that he should have had, in spite of the fact that it just didn't go Haman's way. And Haman is teaching us what to do when unfairness, when evil comes our way. And the first point is this. We do not give up. We do not give up when it doesn't go our way. We do not give up. We don't call it a day. We don't pout. No, we do not give up. What this is called is grit. and Mordecai, I think, had it. And what we need to be drawn again again, uh, as we consider suffering, as we consider things that don't go our way, you need to see the face of Jesus. You need to see him looking at Jerusalem where he knows he's going to die and it's going to be worse than being impaled on a pole. And you need to hear the scripture that says he set out resolutely for that place. You need to see him in court where he could have said anything logical, anything that made sense to get out of it, but he didn't open his mouth. And yet when people said, are you God, when people called him a king, when people put over his cross, king of the Jews, he also didn't argue with that because he knows who he was. This is Jesus when he was handed over, he could have called down those legions. And when people taunted, why don't you save yourself, he could have zapped them, but no, he was there facing evil head on until his last breath. And he did that with grit. It took determination. It wasn't easy for him. It was not fair for him. But he didn't give up out of love for you and me. Friends, we need a little bit more of this, don't we? We need a little bit more grittiness when it comes to our walk with God. You know, sometimes I wonder how much God sits down and he looks how, how easy we are to pout. I went to Kohl's and it was on sale. I went back, and it wasn't on sale anymore. They didn't even have my size. God, if you would know what they said to me, it was just not very nice. And I was just trying to order something at a restaurant, and I wasn't crabby, but they were really crabby, and I have to deal with the crabby that they gave me, it's not fair. And God, if you would know who I work with, right, and the expectations and what they say. I mean, these customers and that boss. I mean, God, I just need to quit. And my spouse don't even let me get me started on this one. They got problems, yo. I don't even know what to do with those problems, but they got problems. They're worse than mine, guys. And I don't even know what to do tomorrow. Do we need grit? Absolutely. We need to look at Jesus and again be reminded that He is powerful, that He can help us, that He can strengthen us just as the Spirit has strengthened Him as well. This is what we need not be so quick to give up. You know, today we are going to be real with the fact that there is a devil and that this is hard and that the pressures are real. We're going to be real with that. In fact, uh, this last week I was in a pastor's small group and uh, we talked about this book, a great book I recommended, 2,000 Demons and Yet No Match for My Savior. And uh, it, it was just talking about the fact that we live in a spiritual world. And and I don't know if it's common anymore to think of a devil, but friends, he exists. And friends, he's, like, he's not nice. In fact, he wants to destroy you. He is vicious. He has power, right? The pastor who wrote this book was talking about his experience in the inner city of Milwaukee. And his experience when someone came to Jesus, it was like after that experience, the devil would unleash all hell against that person trying to reclaim him. He did a stat saying that 35 people, 35% of the people that were reached were also lost, once again, because he believed the devil's assaults. They were reclaimed two things, two ways. And one was uh, the streets that reclaimed them, so a way of life that, that didn't lead to walking with God. And another thing that maybe we can relate more to is personal or familial Failure. That things went so bad in their family life and and maybe through temptation or what the devil was putting in front of them that they were so embarrassed after that failure that they didn't walk with God anymore. Yes, the devil is real. And the devil loves putting in your path things that can trip you up and things that are going to tempt you and things that are going to get you down. In fact, I don't know if you're on this level, but has anyone ever dreamed of being in heaven just so you can stop the battle? Anyone ever been on that level? Like, again, I'm not going to take my life. I know God gave me my life. He'll call me when he wants to call me. But has anyone just said, I'm so sick of the battle, I want to be in there? I have, many days. Because that battle is real, and it is hard. But if we're going to be real with the devil, we have to be equally real. With Jesus who is here. Jesus who is more than just a name. Jesus who is a person. Jesus who is a presence. Jesus who is with us every day. got to be real with that one, friends. For this is what Jesus came to do. Let me, let me share with you a passage. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that is what he has done. And the devil might be a strong man, but the the Jesus we worship, he is stronger still. In fact, when Jesus shows up, it reminds me of this movie clip of when... I'll I'll show it to you. Uh, Here it is. This is old Godzilla, by the way. Okay, maybe the clip isn't that good, but Jesus, he is. Because what we know is that when he appears... All the demons that may exist, all the enemies that exist, they go running in the opposite direction. In fact, we know the New Testament, what did he do? He drove out demons all the time. You got a legion of them in you? We're going to throw them into the pigs and they're going to run away. The, the demons, they would ask, please don't hurt us. Our time has not yet come. Please, please, right? Because this is Jesus who is our power, who is our strength. And evil has brought a bin of unfair evils, Right? Evil has brought a bin of unfair evils. Have you ever wrestled with the unfair evils? And there's just chaos and there's pain in that bin. But Jesus brought another bin with him. It's called unfair graces. And you and I live and breathe with some unfair graces. The grace that we woke up today with breath in our lungs. The grace that the sun is shining in Chicago and we actually have nice weather for like two weeks of the year. Right? The grace that we have clothes, that we have family. That if you look hard enough today, I know it's hard. I know it's painful, but I bet you could find evidence of grace today. If you're looking hard enough, you'll you'll deal out of that bin as much as you want. And if you're looking for it, you can be real with the fact that you have a bin of unfair graces. This is great. This is ours today. This is ours, even if you're newer joining us. You know, another way to look at our battle against evil is kind of with rock, paper, scissors. And uh, if you ever played rock, paper, scissors, you know, you might say, well, this is how it's going to go with the devil. And maybe I'll wake up today and and he'll have, you know, the scissors and I'll have the paper. But maybe the next day, you know, I'll have the paper and he'll be the rock, right? You know, Um, but, but what you need to know if you're in Christ is you don't play rock, paper, scissors with the devil. No, you play a different game. I grew up playing rock, paper, scissors, bazooka. Anyone play rock, paper, scissors, bazooka? This must be just my thing. Maybe I, made I tried to mention it to my wife. She didn't know. But she did get. She caught on. She's like, what wins against bazooka? That's the point. Nothing wins. You bring bazooka out, one. Every time, rock, paper, done, right? When you play this game, when we war in this world, and you call on the name of Jesus, you are not playing rock, paper, scissors. You are playing rock, paper, scissors, bazooka, and you got the bazooka. I just like saying bazooka. Anyway, uh, bazooka is a great name, and bazooka is what you have in God. See, yeah, the devil's real, and he's got weapons, and he got tools, but so is Jesus. Next point. This is what we need to walk away knowing. The devil's attacks and tools may be great, but the weapons and tools of God are greater still. See, at the name of Jesus, every demon and devil will flee. See, he has given you the sword of the spirit that doesn't just make you a defensive player. It makes you an offensive player as you hold it close to your heart. He has given you the armor that that shields you from the piercing arrows of flame. He he, he knows, again, how to protect us. I love the age that we live in. Have you ever just thanked God for the, the age that we live in? And some are like, no, 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 we need to go back to when it was. I don't want to go back to when it was. It wasn't better back then. There was sin there. It was messed up then. I like the age we live in. And you might say, well, the devil is real and people are turning away from God. Yeah, but so is God. And he's given us ministries and podcasts and music and resources so that if we want to, I can listen to 20 podcasts that are of the Sermon, of the Word, and fill my spirit up. I love the age we live in. I love singing a new song to the Lord. I love ministries that are going to be there to combat what's going on in my life, whether it be a small group, whether it be people who pray for me, whether it be real relationships with those who can walk alongside with me and just be there. God is real and he's given us what we need let's talk a little bit more about evil and I go a little softer in approach um, our intake of ice cream and froyo goes way up in the summertime anyone else really loving the ice cream and froyo okay and and while this is good um, I do believe that if we let our youngest just eat whatever she wanted all the time it would be ice cream and froyo pretty sure. Um, So there we are at Sweet Frog. In fact, uh, if you haven't been to Sweet Frog before, I encourage you to go. They have Dole Whip flavor. It's pineapple, Froyo. It's amazing. Um, So if you've ever been to Disney, got a Dole Whip. It is awesome. Church party after. Here we go. Right? And every now and then I'm tempted not to fight the battle as a parent. Right? I'm tempted. You want Froyo? Here we go. Make you happy. I'll be happy too. But is it really good parenting if I let her just, whenever she wants, have ice cream? No, it's not. And so sometimes I will say you have to have two more bites of pork, two more things of veggies, and then your ice cream bar, right? Or sometimes I say, we're not going to go get ice cream today because we went the last three days, right? So we're going to play it good one day, right? Just as a child needs their appetite checked, and maybe you can relate to this on some level. Here's my spiritual point. We have another appetite. It's not for ice cream, but it is for evil. And if you don't check it, if you don't say there's got to be a better way, if you don't say, what does God say about this, then we're on a bad path. In fact, that, that's a, the next point. we got to check our appetite for evil. Check our appetite for evil. And we learn this from looking at Haman. See, see what happened with Haman is he was mad. And and he was mad at Mordecai, but he didn't check his grudge. No, he gave his grudge full recourse, and this is what then he sought out to do. It says, Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. This is a picture of evil going unchecked. Who thinks of such a devious, satanic plan? I mean, this is like Hitler. These are like mobsters. I'm not going to kill you, but your whole family, right? All because evil went unchecked. You know, something we got to be real with as we meet together, as we talk about the bin of unfair evils, is that we got evil. And I, I know that's not why you came. It, it's, in fact, not why I came. <laughs> I came to talk about grace. But, but we need to wrestle our evil to the ground. And because we're all made sinful, I need to remind you, please don't underestimate the power of that sinful nature. In fact, I would go this far and say that any one of us can commit any sin. Any one of us can commit any sin. You know how I know that? New Testament words. So if you think you are standing firm, if you think you are without evil, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except What is common to mankind? Do you know any person can commit any sin? And so often we overlook the correlating circumstances we should have according to our evil. So often we think we're entitled to kindness. We're entitled to grace. We're entitled to God's goodness, right? That's not my understanding of evil. In fact, I grew up confessing our sins. I don't know if you guys remember this line of the confession. Let me bring it up. Every Sunday I said, for I deserve your punishment both now, both now, both now, and in eternity. Sometimes we'd like to think, but I deserve better. By God's grace, we have better, but it wasn't what we deserved. So to check our evil, today's a day to repent. What we need to be real with is we need to be real with the days we haven't repented over grudges. Or maybe there's a path or a proclivity that you're not calling evil, that you're not stemming, that you're not cutting. we got to repent of all of these things and bring it again to the one who treats us with grace. And grace is what you and I have. We are forgiven, that's why I'm here. And God can inspire you not to be an instrument of evilness and wickedness, but to be an instrument of righteousness. To be an instrument used by God for all his good purposes. In fact, I believe the Spirit of God can empower you to do things you don't even know yet. To take you to places you didn't even imagine you'd go yet. To to be a better person for the sake of him and his kingdom than you even imagined. That's the Spirit of God as he changes you. That instead of hungering and thirsting for wickedness, we can hunger and thirst for righteousness as we bring this to the Lord and remember what He has done. So let us repent of our evil and instead thirst and hunger for righteousness. But there's some other reason why there's evil going on. And uh, it kind of reminds me of my senior year of prom. My senior year of prom... I was so excited to bring someone in a car and a fast car and a nice car but my car privileges were taken away and that is because I did not use that fast and nice car appropriately which I wouldn't recommend to anyone else but it put me in a predicament for my senior prom while I wanted to impress with a fast and a nice car it was not available for my use because of what I had done and what I learned is because sometimes you do one thing you have a consequence to deal with on another end have you ever been there right? Now what's interesting is that I can be completely forgiven. and I think this people, they forgave me, but I still have the consequence to deal with, right? You need to know that about walking with God. You can be completely forgiven and yet still have a consequence that you have to deal with, right? That can happen. Now why does all of this matter and where am I going? Do you know Haman would not be allowed to do any evil. Haman would not exist, If someone back years ago only listened to the voice of God. Let me explain it. Years later, or years before, there was a king named Saul, and he was given a voice from God to go out and destroy all the Amalekites. Now, sometimes people are reserved, why why would God kill off all people? Guys, I, I know this is a humble position, but the author of life has the right to take it. He does. Sometimes out of his mercy and grace because he wants to party with them in heaven, and sometimes because they have already made their decision and have walked away from God. So I know it's not culturally acceptable to talk about, but I just have this simple faith that says the author of life can take it. Well, that's what he decided to do. He said, Saul, you destroy, you wipe out, they have rebelled. Saul didn't listen. The Amalekites were left to live along with a king named Agag. Now, back to my point in Esther. Haman is what? So the king took his signet ring from the finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hammedatha. the, can you say that? Agatite. Haman would not exist, this Agatite from the king who was spared, if someone one other time would have just listened to the voice of God and done exactly what he said. So Haman is a consequence of not doing the thing that should have been done, of not listening to the Lord and then having to cope. And sometimes I wonder, friends, how many figurative Hamans live in your world because you didn't listen to the Word of God? How many Hamans are existing and and, and wreaking havoc in your financial future, your financial reality, because you're not listening to what God tells you to do? You're not listening to the clear Word of God that says, Depend in me. Depend in me. I'm not needy, but I am worthy. Depend in me. I wonder how many Hamans exist in your relationships, maybe in the form of grudges, maybe in the forms of attitudes, because you haven't put them to rest long ago. How many Hamans exist in in family reunions? How many Hamans exist at the workplace? How many Hamans are just dancing all over the place, doing their evil, because we haven't done what God tells us to do? So this is what we do. When God puts something on your heart, when he tells you something to do, we do it and we don't delay. If you know the word of God is speaking to you over a certain issue, today's the day to stop making excuses. Stop saying some other time, but go and do it. Don't let Haman live in your house. Don't let him live in your world. You do it and you don't delay. Sometimes God also works through the Spirit. We have the Spirit in us and and He informs our hearts of something that might be good to do. He puts stuff on our hearts we say, And if it is according to God's will, if it's something that's appropriate to do, I say do that as well and don't delay. So this is how we war against evil. But to end, I want to give some perspective, okay? And that perspective comes um, in the form of understanding stories. Have you ever watched a story, maybe a movie, maybe something else, and then figured out, no, they're not going to die. This is rated PG, right? There's no way this hero can, can lose. This is made by Disney. Have you ever understood the story that way? Like you're in the midst of it, and it's pretty intense, and you're wondering. For me, it was the movie Trolls, because um, I had watched it with the kids, but then we were with the nephews, and they were younger, and so my brain was like racking, like, is there anything that they shouldn't see? And if you've seen trolls, you know there's these evil Bergens, and the Bergens want to eat the trolls. And I'm trying to you know, think, you know, d- does anyone get eaten, and is that shown in any place? And then I remember, it's rated PG. There's no way you're going to show a Bergen tromping on a troll. Kids are not going to appreciate that. There's no way. No, they're going to be on a platter. And this is the way it's going to go down. On the platter, Branch is going to turn blue, and he's going to start singing. Yeah, because this is how the story goes. And and they're going to talk about love being better than eating trolls. And they're going to talk about friendship. And they're going to dance. And they're going to have a ball because that's how this story ends. Do you know how the story of Esther goes? See, it might look bad right now. It might look that they might lose and, and evil might win. But, but But we know the end of the story, don't we? See, we know that God had promised to send a Savior through his people, and he has protection and provision over his people, and so they're going to be safe, friends. It ends well. In fact, even Mordecai, who was overlooked in this lesson, would be looked upon favorably someday, which is a picture of us favorably. Everything that you do, God sees. Where are we in the story? You're in the middle of it. And any good story has conflict. And a good story has challenges and enemies and hard days and attacks and days when it seems like the the evil is winning out. But let me tell you how the story ends. We win. We're victorious. Our Heavenly Father catches His children who are just so tired from the battle and He just loves us. He says, welcome home. Lindsay has that today. Her boys have that today. They have the glorious ending. That troll, better than the trolls dancing together and singing that JT song. is better, friends. Right? And I know we're not there yet. I know we got a deal. And, and, and I have empathy for days for how tough life can be. If you ever just want to cry together, let's cry. I got empathy for days. I will not forget where we are in this story and how it ends. So don't forget what part of the story we're in and how it ends. There is conflict, but there will be resolution. There will be a victor's circle. That's why I'm here. So at this point, why don't we just close with prayer, bring this all to our Father and ask him to bless us. Heavenly Father, today we're real with the fact that there is battles, uh, that there are tough days, that there are seasons of weeping and sadness. But Lord, remind us again that Jesus is walking with us. Help us to see his strength, that he is the strong man from whom every evil and heartache flees. Show compassion, especially to Eddie and to the parents. And Lord, for all of the things we're dealing with, show strength, patience, and endurance until we're finally with you.